I wanted to look at the scriptures that came after Jesus' resurrection and look at and think about how the early the disciples, the early church faced the future. I think that in the days after the resurrection, Jesus, Jesus urges his disciples into the future in important ways. I think you can read just about every post-resurrection story and see glimpses or keys or, or, or lessons for the disciples and for the apostles and for the church. I think there's lessons for them to embody that help bring about the future and bring about God's work in the future. Because, you see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it can't be said enough and it can't be said big enough. It is a life-changing, world-changing. Church cannot just stay behind locked doors in Jerusalem changing sort of event. But you saw that what the disciples did immediately after the resurrection was they went and hid behind locked doors. And if they had stayed behind locked doors, it would be like the debate, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? I'm sure you could, we could debate for a while if it makes a sound or not, but ultimately it doesn't matter. If a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, who cares if it makes a sound? And if the church knows that Jesus is resurrected, but can't figure out how to feed the Lord's sheep, the church is as useless as a debate about a tree falling in the woods. And that is not what we want. So this morning, Marcia read about the early church in Acts. Jesus commands Peter to feed his sheep. And we read this not simply as an imperative given to Peter, but as an instruction given to the church for all time. It's not just that Peter needed to know that Jesus had his back. It's also us. And it's not just the disciples who needed to rally together and go fishing to figure out what was next. We do that too. And it's not just them who were called out of the boat to start feeding the sheep who needed the nourishment of the Lord. It's us who are called to bring that nourishment to the world as well. And so we listen to this story. We take its commands to heart and we open ourselves up to the reality that it is from within a fellowship of believers that God opens us up to feeding the sheep. God opens us up to teach us how to feed his sheep. And it all starts in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. 
Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Then he said to them, they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you no fish? They said no. And so he said, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off land, about a hundred yards off. When they had gotten ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and called the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came back or came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he, he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you, needed, you fastened your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to him, Follow me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The future is something we often fear. The future, like that passage ends, is maybe worth fearing a little bit. Some fear the future. Others don't fear the future, but everybody reacts to the future in different ways. There are some who think about the future and all they think about, all they can see are the possibilities. All they can see is how progress will help make things happen, how technology and connectivity and other things like that will make things better and carry us into a brave new world in unimaginably wonderful ways. 
There are others who look at the future. Well, and then they turn around and hearken back to the past. They long for the good old days to reminisce about what had happened. And they become so on guard about the world that is emerging that everything about the future becomes a threat. The division of who those who hope for the future and those who fear the future, well, it, it, cross, it cuts across all manner of categories. You can't really divide yourself into one camp or another based on politics, race, religion, economic status, income, or any of those kinds of things. There are just as many liberals who long for the days of John F. Kennedy as there are conservatives who long for the days of Ronald Reagan. And there are just as many liberals who long for a future as there are conservatives who long for a future. And in fact, the longer I'm around, the more I realize that there's a lot of truth in just wanting to sit back. There's a band that we listen to who has a song called Diane Young and in the lyrics, there's these four little lines. Nobody knows what the future holds. It's bad enough just getting old. I live my life in self-defense. You know, I love the past. I love the past because I hate suspense. For many among us, the future is something we fear because we don't know how it will play out. We're unsure what it means, but we love the past we hate suspense. We know how the past goes. And there is this urge, this fear, that this reality that in the face of uncertainty, what we do is just long to revert back to the things that we are deeply familiar with. And there, that's important for us to do to a certain extent. But we can't only do that. But if we can revert back to the familiar in order to recognize something, then it is from the familiar that we can begin to build. And this is what I think Jesus does in this passage. Peter and his disciples do not know what to do. Jesus was resurrected. His body was no longer in the tomb where it had been put. He'd appeared to them twice already. And they weren't sure what was next. So what they did is they went and did something familiar. They went fishing. And in doing that familiar thing, they did something that created space for God to break in and call them back to something new. Which is what God does. The disciples needed a new call, a new way to move into the future. So they took a familiar path and found that along that path, Jesus broke in. The same is true for you and for me. The worn paths of faithfulness that we walk are not just there because they are comfortable, because they are easy, or because they are the only places we are ever called to go. Rather, they are worn paths because they're the paths we walk where we know that the Lord shows up. I think that's why worship has a rhythm to it. There's a predictability to what we do each Sunday. 
so that the Lord can show up. That's why we read and reread the same scriptures. Because as we read and reread them, we see things new. We see new places where God shows up. I think that's why the disciples went fishing and the Lord showed up. And when the Lord showed up while they were fishing, He called them to what is next, to feed His sheep. Now in feeding the sheep, one of the things that I think is most important is that the sheep were to be brought together, to be held close. Oh, to be open enough to welcome new sheep in, yes, of course. But to bring those sheep in close. I once heard Dr. Amy Butler, the pastor of the Riverside Church in New York City, offer insightful words about drawing in close. She said, in relationships, when there is distance, fear often grows in between. I think about that a lot. I think about relationships. I think about distance that happens at times between people. Most of the time it's unintentional. But when you have a friend that you haven't seen for a while, do you ever wonder, did something go wrong? When someone has to drop out of church for a few weeks, you wonder, did, did, I, did I say something? Did I do something that offended? When distance gets created, fear often grows in the middle. But Jesus doesn't want us to live with fear. And as we think about the future, and as we recognize that we fear the future, we fear the uncertainty that lies, a, lies ahead, we can begin to see that our lives, our faithfulness, and our relationships become a part of embodying a robust fellowship that holds one another close, that brings others in to be held close, so that the sheep can be fed. We, the sheep, can be fed. The sheep who would be blessed by becoming a part of our congregation might be fed, and that happens when we cultivate an authentic fellowship that seeks to feed the Lord's sheep. When we provide a way forward for ourselves and for others based on a robust fellowship with one another, we begin to embody the reality that to feed Lord's sheep in any way and in every way creates the kind of fellowship that then helps us face the future. I don't think Peter realized that's what was happening when he had a bunch of fishing buddies. But I think that's what was happening with Peter and the disciples and them being fishing buddies. Among that group of disciples, there were valuable, important, deep, caring, sustaining relationships. A robust fellowship that, ref that begins to be reflected in their actions, but helped create the conditions for the church to flourish in the midst of great change. The disciples had deep relationships predicated upon forgiveness, honesty, care, and hope, which allowed them to be the fellowship that gave birth to the church for the future. And I think if we, as a church, want to embody the kind of fellowship that will carry us well into the future, we would do well to practice 
relationships the way the disciples did. We would do well to behave in our relationships the way we imagine they might have behaved in theirs. So we close the gaps to prevent fear from growing. We gather with one another regularly to provide comfort. Yet we're open in our gathering so that we provide space for others to come and be comforted as well. And then among the fellowship of disciples who are familiar with one another, in our familiarity, we become open to God's new call into the future. And I think that's why Peter went fishing. In the familiar, with the familiar, God called him into a new future. But I think there's something really, really important about the fellowship in the moment also. I officiated a wedding last night from a young lady who spent some time growing up in this church. Jeff and Zenny Derry's daughter, Samantha, married Matthew Hobgood in a beautiful service over on Enon Road at their family's farm, the Hobgood family farm. The preacher was really good, I think, I heard. But the setting was beautiful and the wedding coordinator and the weather coordinator uh, did a bang-up job also. But in getting to know Samantha and Matthew and preparing for their sermon, I learned that they liked the show The Office. So I found a few ways to drop in little hints here and there, subtle references that they would get so when they looked back on their service, they would remember this time. And in order to do that, I needed to watch a few episodes of the show myself. So I watched the show's final episode. And in the final episode, they were reflecting back years later on what they had had as a group of people who worked in this office together. And Andy Bernard, one of the employees at the office, who had spent his whole time as an employee dreaming about going back to Cornell where he had been a college student. He says this, he says, The weird thing is now, after chasing so many other things, I'm now exactly where I want to be. I've got my dream job at Cornell, and I'm still thinking about my old pals. He says, only now, the pals I'm thinking about are the ones I made back in the office not the ones I made back in college. Then he says this, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Boy, what telling words. As Peter and his buddies got in that boat that day, I bet he was thinking something like that. I wish we had known we were in the good old days with Jesus before they were gone. I bet you they were reflecting upon all the stories as they fished that night, thinking about what had happened, laughing about things that had happened, probably sentimentally, secretly rubbing away tears about things that had happened. And then Jesus showed up. He built a fire and they did the same thing. They told stories around a campfire like Robert reminded the children. 
as they shared a meal. If Jesus was fully human and his disciples were anything like we are, that's what they did. They reminisced. They thought about the good old days. Which means for us, one of the things we must do to to create the kind of fellowship that can face the future is to realize what Andy didn't. That maybe we're in some version of the good old days right now. And maybe the fellowship we have now, today, or the work we need to do on our fellowship today is work that will help us have the kind of faith we need, have the kind of familiarity we need, and have the kind of fellowship we need to be a part of carrying on God's work into the future. We can't just think that the only important meals were the ones Jesus had at Mary and Martha's that made Scripture. We must realize that it's not just that first time that Jesus in the upper room shared the meal with his disciples that was important. But all the instances of sharing time with one another are important. And realizing that Jesus brought together a unique group of individuals to share life, to help out one another, to feed and heal each other, And then when the time was right to move beyond where they could have moved on their own as a small fellowship of believers. Well, that that didn't just happen once. That could be exactly what's happening for us now. And when Jesus is speaking to his gathered disciples, he's also speaking to us to be a forgiving people who feed sheep. And it is upon that rock that the church is built. Peter, in the future, for the future, his call was to feed sheep. Not just to go back fishing. And Jesus didn't set us up as a body of believers to always stay behind the closed doors of Oxford. Or Oxford Baptist. Instead, The key for us as disciples now in these days is to remember and to affirm that we don't just stick together. We stick together and build upon our relationships so that we can find ways to welcome others into a fellowship that means so much to us. When Peter answers the call to feed the sheep, he's looking to the future And not only one that involved those twelve disciples who could fit in the boat, but one that would give birth to a newfound church that in Acts chapter 2 gathers all the believers together and they shared life and love and resources. And no one had need. And the Lord added to their number daily. And as we face the future, we need to see that our fellowship is something that will give us the strength to push away the fear of the future. It will give us strength to allow us to face the future. And it's the nature of our fellowship, good or bad, that will determine the course of our future. And fellowship starts with coming together, but it never ends with just staying together. It ends with the call to feed the Lord's sheep. 
as the church embodies the future, I believe that the way we embody a robust fellowship with one another is a key to our future. The future of the church will be marked as meaningful or meaningless based in large part by the fellowship we are willing to share with one another. That doesn't mean we're like a social club that gathers with just the people we like. Rather, we are to see that as a diverse gathering of people, we are called to love and care for one another in a way that creates familiarity, just like the disciples had. And then, when we find ourselves in times of chaos, realize that it's in the familiarity we cultivated that God is ready to carry us through the chaos and call us to work in the future. It's by being a vital, secure, forgiving, supporting fellowship with one another that we develop the trust necessary to close gaps on fear, to enable ourselves to experience the love and strength of God. And then we get to be called forward into the future. Our fellowship for the future will give us the comfort we need to face the future. And by facing the future in fellowship with one another, we will best and being able to embody the call of God to feed all of His sheep that we possibly can. Our fellowship for the future calls us to feed His sheep, and I pray that we can embody that fellowship today. Will you pray with me? Eternal and loving God, we give you thanks for this day that we have. We give you thanks for the call that is upon us and we give you thanks for the fellowship of believers that are around us who help us to fulfill that call. Lord, may we grow in our fellowship with one another so that we might together hear your call, respond to your call, and serve you well in this day and for the days ahead. This, O Lord, is our prayer and we offer it in your great name. Amen.